0: This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you are listening to part two of episode 180 of the Catholic Foodie, Finding God in All Things, Including the Kitchen. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie where food means faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we are continuing our conversation with Rosemary Lane of Loyola Press. If you recall, if you've listened to uh, part one of episode 180, you know that we're talking about Loyola Press's new release, their their their, their new series this month which covers the culinary arts. It's the Food and Faith series. It's part of their Arts and Faith series, and it's celebrating the ways that we express our faith through the culinary arts. I am very excited about this uh, new project, and we're going to continue our conversation with Rosemary Lane right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. That's right. If you want some more background on this series, you can always go to Uh We also talked about that in part one. I read their press release to you in part one, which I thought was very eye-opening and uh, it, very well done. Very, very well done. The conversation with Rosemary was awesome. I really enjoyed my time with her. We talked for about an hour, which is why I have uh, broken up this uh, episode into two different parts. I wanted to share other things with you as well, and I didn't want to have an episode that was going to be an hour and a half long. It's easier to take uh, things in, especially like podcasts, I think, in in kind of like bite-sized portions, right? So uh, I broke them up into into two different uh, parts. I broke this episode up into two different parts, and uh, we're going to resume the conversation with Rosemary in just a moment uh, exactly where we left off from part one. And uh, it was a lot of fun. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and listen to it. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, and we're going to resume it here in part two. I, I mentioned last episode, or the, in part one, I mentioned how Rosemary kind of duped me. Uh, <laughs> we started out, I thought that I was going to be interviewing her about their project. You know, what, what, what's going on? This series, this new series celebrating the ways that we express our faith through the culinary arts called the Food and Faith collection, I guess. It's, it's part of the Arts and Faith series that Loyola Press uh, puts on over at LoyolaPress.com. And uh, that was my, my original thought, you know, oh, I'm going to interview her, talk about this, help her to promote what's going on. But she turned the tables on me. Man, she's sneaky. Uh, next thing I know, she's interviewing me. It's like, wow. What's what's up with this? But it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. And I, I certainly hope that you enjoy this conversation. I mentioned in part one, the best way, I think, to listen to this episode is to maybe pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and pretend like you're in a cafe somewhere in Europe, perhaps France, and and to just uh, imagine that you're listening to two friends chatting as you uh, as you ponder the the awesome wisdom and and, 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 and whatnot <laughs> that's coming from their lips, isn't that wonderful? Anyway, it was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I'm gonna let the interview play through the second half right here. And then when you come back, when we come back from the interview, I want to share with you a recipe. It's my go-to recipe for Thanksgiving turkey I want to share that with you today so stay tuned, sit back, relax enjoy, this is Rosemary Lane from Loyola Press well thank you
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of our viewers would like to know um, what is your most memorable meal, is there any meal that just sticks out where you're like I, I don't know if you had a spiritual aha moment or just it was just memorable for, for other reasons
0: wow um. I I I guess my first thought would be I've had so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's just been one so many, but, I mean there's a few I mean I guess there's a few that I could look at and think wow that's really it's been you know it was a really awesome experience. I mean I, I think that one of them is um well when I was on my honeymoon with mm-hmm. my wife um, we went to Margarita Island, Venezuela for 2 weeks. Oh cool. And uh it was a total blessing. It was such a blessing. <laughs> And it was just amazing because you know, having lived in Mexico and having I was I taught Spanish, I spoke the language, and it's just a, a, a different things happen to to kind of lead us to to choose Margarita Island, Venezuela. I don't want to get into all those details, but it it was um it's beautiful. It's off the coast of uh, Caracas, you know. It's it's not that far. We had to take a plane, actually a small plane from Caracas uh, to the island. And it, it it just, it really, there were not many Americans. I think we only saw two Americans the whole time we were there. Oh, wow. Um, because it was more of a European destination. As far as like uh, resorts, islands, those kind of things, Margarita Island was not up to U.S. standards at the time. Uh, you know, Aruba was probably about 10 years ahead of Margarita. So people know about Bye. Aruba. People go to Aruba. Uh, but Margaret Island was just still developing; it was not mm-hmm. not there yet. So we were unique; we were, we stood out. We were Americans, and um, that
1: must have felt neat, like you're discovering something.
0: Oh, it was it was just incredible. My, my wife is of Lebanese descent, and uh, what's really interesting is we we ended up stumbling across this um, grocery and deli uh, on the island that was run by a Lebanese couple. Not only was it run by this couple, they also spoke flawless English because they had lived, I can't remember if it was in uh, Australia or wherever, they had lived for a long time, so their English was was flawless. Oh, wow. And uh, we we connected with them, we went there and ate a few times, they actually got us connected with a guy, uh, Virgilio, who was our driver, he became our driver, a taxicab. but instead of just coming and picking us up every day, whenever we wanted him to, he was essentially on call for us. Mm-hmm. He drove us all over the place, wherever we wanted. He'd spend the day with us. I just paid him for the day. And uh, it was amazing. You know, he was just so good to us and he brought his family and we ate, um, I'll tell you, the, the two memorable meals from that trip. One was um, when he, it was Thanksgiving. It was mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Uh, of course, we're down there. We, <laughs> there's no turkeys. Um, nice. You know, it's, it's just, we, we don't want to spend all that time cooking either. We want to be out on the beach. Right. But he took us to this wonderful secluded island uh, beach area, and uh, it, we, we took a. It, it was a, a. We had to take a boat ride to get to it. I mean, it's really amazing where this thing was. Mm-hmm. But it was me. It was my wife. It was uh, Virgilio and also his daughter and his mother. Because his wife was working, so she couldn't make it. Oh, okay. But his, his wife made us a meal, made sandwiches and things like that and packed it up. And so here's my, our taxi driver, right, bringing us to, to this beach for the day on Thanksgiving. Because he knows it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. And we can't celebrate. So he's bringing us out here. He's like, oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. This place is great. And uh, there's nothing there. It's just this big secluded area, you know. My gosh. And he brought his guitar. And we sat there and drank beer. And ate sandwiches and sang songs uh, for hours, and it was it was glorious. Yeah, it was just absolutely glorious. So that was uh, that was one I think that was just so simple. You yeah, know, but it was good people. and It was love. It was just love, all Gosh. love.
1: That sounds like the best Thanksgiving ever. It was fantastic, you know? <laughs> I mean, you're on a secluded island eating, you know, listening to guitar.
0: You, you know, it sounds great. And, and he, it's, it's hysterical because, I mean, our, our American rock and roll, right, is all over the world. And so here's this guy. He can't speak any English, but, boy, he knows all these classic rock songs, you know, and he's uh, going to town on the guitar and singing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, Any Bruce just- Springsteen?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He did um, uh, Bye Bye American Pie. He knew that. It's just It was amazing. Yeah. And so um, on that same trip, on that uh, trip, he also took us to this restaurant, which, you know, the the title of the restaurant was um, Golden Fish, which when I heard it, I thought, well, that's interesting. That's not something that really seems very appealing to me, but it was right on the beach. They had beach service. We had, um, you know, chairs, lounges out on the beach. And then they had a, a, a courtyard area that was outdoors where you can go and eat outdoors. And it was mm-hmm. a kind of a thing where you paid for the day, and mm-hmm. they fed you, and they gave you drinks, and they, did, they just served you all day long. And um, we ate – well, first of all, the, the margaritas there were fantastic. Of course, it's Margaret Island. Yes. But in addition to that, they brought this. out to us for this meal um, a spiny lobster. And it's because the lobsters there are different than what you have up in Maine, right? These are the spiny lobsters. They're huge. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the tail of this thing wraps around my hand. I mean, they're like oh my huge. Gosh. Matter of fact, what they do is they take the lobster after they cook it and they split it down the middle. The entire thing from head to the tip of the tail. And they lay it out one, on, one side on, on my wife's plate and then one on mine. And it was too much wow. for both of us to eat. I mean, it was just insane. Yeah. But it was, again... A, a a visible a, an ex- experiential um, um, experience, if that makes sense, <laughs> of the bounty of God, of the love of God, of the joy of life, of the celebration that takes place in heaven, mm-hmm. right? When 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 the Lord's servants go home, I mean, it, 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 there is a celebration, and this really brought it home for me. I'm sitting here just going, wow. You know, we just said yes to each other and God, you know, in church. Mm-hmm. The two become, become one, and, and here we are celebrating this this sacrament, and look at this feast, you know?
1: And literally eating one lobster that's split in half.
0: Split in half. I never thought of that, but that's, you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's really cool. What a moment. Um, so I wanted to ask you also about your pilgrimage to the Holy Land that you're taking um, next year, I believe.
0: That's right, in February.
1: Yeah. So, could you tell us a little bit about why you decided to go there? What What made you want to go there and explore food as you go?
0: Well, you know, I've always wanted to go to Israel because, I mean, that's that is the land that received Jesus. I mean, that's the incarnation, this, this event of God becoming man, that has changed radically everything in creation. Nothing's the same after <laughs> the incarnation. And we forget that, I think, sometimes. But nothing's the same. Spirituality is no longer, you know, some kind of Zen thing where where we're trying to lose ourselves. Rather, spirituality is very concrete. It, we can yeah. touch it. We can touch it. We can touch him. We can touch God. Right. And it, it's just a beautiful thing. It's amazing. Um, but the incarnation changed everything, and it happened there.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so there, there play, Jesus walked those roads. Jesus... Touched. I mean, I'm thinking to myself like the Garden of Gethsemane, right, where he's praying. He has the the agony in the garden. But he used to also go to the garden on a regular basis and pray. Right. He used to go there. They'd go and sing songs, uh, praising God right there in the garden. And I can be there.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I can maybe even some of those trees in the garden are over two thousand years old. I could be sitting or or touching the very same tree that Jesus touched. Yeah. You know that Jesus was right standing right next to. To me, that. Is amazing, and yeah. so I've always wanted to to do that. And to, of course, to the the spiritual benefits of going to the different churches that have been, you know, there for for thousands of years, you know, a couple thousand years, mm-hmm. that are dedicated to these holy spots, holy places where events took place in Jesus' life. Uh, the Transfiguration, right? You have the 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 Nativity. The, I mean, not the Nativity. The um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the Annunciation, right? This this um, this big church, I guess, Basilica, that's dedicated to Our Lady and that event of the Annunciation. So I, I just have always wanted to go. And what happened was, I guess it was a few months back, I was contacted by a company, uh, Select International. They've they've been doing this for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And they said that they, they, uh, they had made contact on one of their recent trips. I think it was when they went with Cardinal Regali last February. They made contact with a celebrity chef, in Israel, See. and um, they had they, which kind of got their minds going, right? The thoughts kind of going like, "What can we do with this? What can we do?" And uh, they also there's a, there's a a group there in Israel called Chefs for for Peace, Chefs for Peace, and it's made up of uh, Jewish, Muslim, and Christian chefs that are trying to bring peace together, right there, you know, in this 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 area, this land that is torn apart by. Discord, right,
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: and and war, but they're trying to bring peace through food and, and around the table, which I think is another another beautiful thing. Yeah. Um. So they contacted me and said, "Hey, would you be? You know, we see your 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 website and and the the radio show and the podcast and all that, and you you're well known as the Catholic foodie for food and faith. And we've never done this before, but would you be interested in going to Israel and and helping us out? Well, it's a standard pilgrimage, but we're also going to have this food element that uh that's going to be I guess the 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 golden thread throughout the trip is going to be about food and so we're going to have uh I'm going to give a few presentations on biblical food and uh what was it like to eat at the time of Jesus and um we're going to have presentations and cooking demonstrations that I'm going to do alongside these celebrity chefs which kind of blows my mind makes me a little, little nervous but um it's going to be fun and uh we're going to tour a brewery in Nazareth I believe and Uh, there's a winery that we're going to see. It's run by Franciscan monks. And um, we're going to have, this is like the highlight, right? The the trip is going to culminate the last day in Emmaus. And we're going to have this huge celebratory meal. Oh, cool. In this place where the disciples recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread, right? That's what happened in Emmaus. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: And and that's going to culminate the trip. I mean, it is just... um, It's just amazing to me. I'm I'm very excited about it and um, can't wait.
1: That's so lucky. (laughs) What a trip. So what are some, can you give us a brief description of some of the foods that Jesus ate? And and will will you guys be able to eat that as you're there?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we are, uh, actually. And I mean, now today, what they have today is a lot, um, I guess, probably a lot better than what Jesus had Mm -hmm. at the time. Right. But, you know, they ate a lot of bread and vegetables um, back in in Jesus' day, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, was it uh, Peta, Peta, Peta? The the those activists, you know, the animal rights activists. They had billboards. I remember seeing billboards on the interstate saying Jesus was a vegetarian. Well, that's not true, <laughs> because he had to eat meat at least once a year, right? I mean, the Passover, he he had to. Um, but on his on a daily basis, he probably did not eat much, and if he did. Whenever they did, it was um, for a special occasion, and it probably was just a very small piece of of meat of some sort, probably lamb or goat uh, at at the time. Um, Fish, you you think about fish, you know, uh, Peter, James, and John are fishermen, they're out there, they're catching fish all the time, but some of the things you don't think about, I mean, I've always pictured them, because I grew up in South Louisiana, we got water everywhere, I mean, Mm -hmm. seafood is big down here. And uh, I've always imagined Peter, James, and John, well, golly, boy, they didn't go hungry. They had all those fish. But the way that the economy was established then, that's really not the case.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They did not even get to eat the fish they caught on a, on a regular basis hmm. um, because they had to pay taxes. And not only did they have to pay taxes, but the, the lake itself was owned, and they had to purchase licenses in order to even fish on it. And that was something that uh, you had to be a licensed fisherman. And that is something that cost a lot of money. So they were able to make enough to sell the fish, to pay for everything they had to pay for just a fish, and then also to be able to get the common food of the common people for their own families. Mm-hmm. And so they're eating bread. And the, the, it's interesting. The, the wealthier you were, the softer and the wider your bread was. Huh. And now today, we're all into like, you know, whole wheat, 12 grain, whatever. Not, right. not back then. The wider your bread was, the is, was indicative of the, the richer you were. Oh. Um, But the bread that, of the poor, the bread of the common person was very hard. And so what they would do, the way that they would have to eat the bread, because you couldn't chew it. They would have to uh, soak it in something. So there are lots of sauces. I mean, in in Jesus' day, they made lots of different kinds of sauces mm. to soften the bread so that they can actually eat it.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool.
0: Yeah, it's a very different. I mean, I said one of the things about going to Israel, I think, is that um, it really does make the Bible come alive. You know, right. you, you start you experience it right. So it's not just head knowledge. It's something that you see. It's something that you touch. It's something that you experience. And so. Yeah, it can radically. Everybody, everybody I've talked to who's gone to Israel has come back and said it was life changing.
1: Yeah, you know, I've heard, and I've heard the food's amazing. So
0: yeah. I'm sure
1: you guys will have a great time. Um, and, and did they? You guys are going to a brewery? You said
0: we are. We are. We're going to a brewery. I uh, can't remember offhand where the what city it's in, but we we will be going to to a brewery.
1: Oh, and what's the significance of that?
0: Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's a joke. There's a joke out there. That, there's a joke out there about um, you know, who invented beer. Well, of course, it was the Jews because, you know it's Hebrew, right? They spoke Hebrew <laughs> Right, right. All that. but but beer was actually Egyptian in origin. oh, okay. And uh, beer was not something they drank a lot uh, back then. Um, matter of fact, wine, wine back in Jesus' day was not the same as the wines that we have today. And mm. The wines that we have today is uh, it's higher in alcohol content, and I mean the they drank a lot of wine because the water was so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know you had to ferment.
1: Uh, I heard that about beer too. Like that was you know it, it was safer to serve served people than water.
0: Hey, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> just get rid of all your filtered water and just start <laughs> drinking beer every day. You know, it's yeah, better for that should you. be your <laughs> new mission: <laughs> spread the beer, not the water.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, well, and I, I also wanted to ask you, um, so a couple weeks ago, there was, on a separate note from the pilgrimage, um, there's a controversy in a restaurant in Chicago, um, and you got a lot of press for this because people were asking you, but basically, for people who don't know about this, um, there's kind of this iconic burger restaurant in Chicago where they name a lot of their burgers off of bands, and um, so they like a Nirvana burger, and they just came out with this burger attributed to Ghost BC, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's this band. Um, and this burger is made with red wine reduction, and it has a host on top of it. Um, so it's been getting a lot of heat if this is crossing a line by making this, you know, blood, Jesus's blood um, kind of burger. So can you um, can you describe it for us and also um, give us your take on, on, on what you thought about it?
0: Well, you know, it's been, it's been, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) It was also kind of depressing because, um, you know, uh, I I said earlier that food can be uh, kind of like a battleground today. Mm -hmm. And and, and that, that is certainly the case on many different levels. And uh, in, in this particular case, you know, it's interesting, this, this thing came out, this, I'm not in Chicago, I'm in New Orleans, so I have no idea. Right. Uh, I didn't see it ahead of time, but uh, the Chicago Tribune contacted me because I guess if you go online and you Google Catholic food, I come up. Real, hey, Real, that's real, the, that's real a close, great thing. Right, right there at the top. And so they contact me and say, hey, you know, can you, um, can you comment on this? And so they sent me the link. I hadn't even seen it until that point. And I looked at it and I was like, you know, it a couple of things. I mean, first of all, it's the burger of the month. It's going to go away, right? Um, secondly, as far as I mean, it's, it's it is I think offensive. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's crass and, and and offensive. And and I don't think that uh, they would necessarily do that if the religion in question was you know Jewish or or Muslim, right? I think that uh, there's more sensitivity given to them than than there is to uh, to Catholics. And I really that that came across. This was picked up by a lot of people. I mean, mm-hmm. they started with the Chicago Tribune, and I, I, you know, they posted it in the middle of the night, uh, the first night, and the next day. I mean, I thought it was that was it. You know, it was just one news story. That was it. I woke up the next day to calls from CNN and from the Associated Press and from NBC and Fox News and uh, several several news outlets, right? And uh, sure. I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, this, this is crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I felt like you know I had to say something mm-hmm. uh, because I think it is offensive. The, the, the band in question, by the way, Ghost, and all is true. I don't think that the people who are putting the hamburgers together uh, really intended necessarily to offend anybody. However, the band itself is satanic. I mean, the band itself, they, they mock uh, the Catholic faith, and the, the, the lead singer dresses as a cardinal with a skull mask. And if you look at the songs and the music that they sing, they're, they're hymns of praise to Satan. I mean, it's just, there's, there's no middle ground when it comes to Catholics and, uh, <laughs> and, and Satanists. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, Jesus took care of that on the cross. I mean, there's just no real uh, middle ground. So um, it's kind of offensive anyway. Right. And so they're, they're, they they specifically on their Facebook page and on their website said that the red wine reduction is supposed to be the blood of Christ and the, the unconsecrated communion wafer is supposed to be the body of Christ.
1: Which they say is not offensive because it's unconsecrated.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, right. It's talking out of both sides of your mouth is what it is, you know? And that's, uh, unfortunately very common today. Uh, so, I made that comment, and, and yeah, it's it's gotten a lot of a lot of press. Now, I'll say the burger itself is seventeen bucks. Uh, yeah. I, I have never paid seventeen dollars for a hamburger. I don't think, mm-hmm. um, so I can't see doing it myself. But it's ten ounces of, of meat, right? The the of beef, the the patty itself. Uh, the red wine reduction sounds great. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it tastes delicious. You know, it's got the cheese on top, and but you know what's really interesting is they also include um, uh, a smoked. Uh, uh, um, goat shoulder uh, yeah. on, on the burger too, so it's a huge burger. Yes. But I love goat. I love lamb, and uh, boy, I, I, I saw that and I was like, "Ooh, that that, that, <laughs> sound, that, that part sounds good. I could do that, but right. but not with all the not with all the hoopla, right? And yeah, it's just a, simple, it's just kind of because um, symbols are important. I'm glad you said that. Symbols are extremely important, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's the thing that people just didn't they don't get. I mean, we right. don't we don't. We don't like people who burn the flag for a reason. It's a symbol of our freedom, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, if someone comes into my house and rips up a picture of my wife or children, they didn't rip up my wife or children. They ripped up a symbol, right, a picture of them. But right. guess, guess what? I'm a, I'm a them between the, the eyes, you know, for doing that in my house or yeah. anywhere. You, you're attacking my family because you're attacking the symbol of of. Of my family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it's the same thing here. I mean, the, the, it's unconsecrated host, but it's symbolic still and symbols are important and you're making a mockery of my God and my church.
1: Right. And, and the good thing is it'll be over in
0: a month. Oh, yeah. It, well, it'll be over it before did manage
1: that. to get a lot of attention. <laughs>
0: it, 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 it probably just, yeah, it blows over and, and that's it. But the good thing is, is that uh, matter of fact, I, 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 after the fact, I got a, um, a link kind of popped up. That I was featured on the Religion News Service also uh, in the same, very same article that was promoting something that uh, Pope Francis had said. Oh, me. Yeah, I was like, hey, something good's coming out of this, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. That's pretty big. Um, well, if we can leave with one more question um, What kinds of tips would you give to families out there for better mealtimes? Um, whether it's encouraging people, you know, ways to get all their kids and, and family and uh, people around the table or just during the meal, what you know, what can be conducive for a good meal time?
0: Well that's uh, it's a good question. I know that, that families are really stressed and um, you know that that's we don't have time and a lot of people feel like they don't know how to, to cook different types of foods or, or whatever and i wrote an article i guess it was a few months back uh, in in july called 10 short Cook- shortcuts for cooking dinner in record time mm-hmm. and these are more just like simple planning things you know if you if you plan in advance then you really can do a lot of things to uh, to, to help improve to make mealtime easier uh, especially trying to get everybody around the table you know like choosing the right recipe mm-hmm. uh, as an example if i if i know i'm going to be in a hurry i'm not going to prepare a seafood gumbo cuz that takes Forever. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, another one is Mise en Place. Mise en place is a classy French term. It just means that everything in its place. And I know when I go to cook, I've had to learn this over the years because typically I'm very creative when it comes to stuff like this. And so I-, I don't think through a lot of stuff ahead of time. I just I'm throwing things together and I'm yeah, you know, well what happens is I leave the kitchen in a complete wreck, mm-hmm. first of all. And secondly, I waste so much time scrambling around trying to To find this, that, or the other ingredient, or this spoon, what do I do with that spoon? You know, and and, uh, if you take mise en place and just try to implement that in your cooking, uh, it makes things so much easier. My wife is constantly trying to tell me, get everything together first, you know, you think through it, and then when you get in the kitchen, it's all there. Right. And it does. It makes it easier to prepare, it makes it easier to cook, and it makes it easier to clean up. Definitely. So that's that's something else. Uh, routine can be good, you know. Setting up a weekly menu, we typically have like, or at least we used to before the the move. We're still trying to unpack here, uh, but we would have uh, like taco night, or we would have uh, pizza night where I make homemade pizzas, or or we have uh, red. You know, Monday night down here in, in New Orleans is red beans and rice night. All across the city is red beans and rice. Nice. So Monday we know what we're having on Monday. Uh, so if you plan a. Uh, uh, a, a weekly menu, and you can alternate things. You could say Thursday's Italian night if you want to. Mm-hmm. You know, and switch up the recipes. But planning it out ahead of time really helps with like grocery shopping. <laughs> it, it helps with all kind of preparations. Um, I like to do one pot cooking. I like to to cook a lot of things at once, uh, not a lot of things a lot of, a lot quantity wise at one time. If I, for example, we love to do chicken. I love to roast the whole chicken. I do that because I like to save all the bones Mm -hmm. and I stick them in the freezer and I make stocks all the time. I make a fresh stock probably two, three times a week I make in stock in my house. And I I use that for soups and gumbos and everything else. But if I'm going to roast a chicken, I might as well just roast two or three. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to use it. I can debone it, save the meat. I can either freeze the meat or I can stick it in the fridge and use it over a couple of days period of time. uh, Or... You know, use it in one big meal. Like if I'm going to do a gumbo, I don't make just a gumbo to feed five. I make a gumbo to feed like 15 or 20. (laughs) And we can either eat on it for three or four days or I can take some of it and freeze it and um, we can have it at a different time. Sure. You know, so those are just a, a few things: big batch cooking, using the right tools, all these little things. That 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 article, by the way, is over at CatholicFoodie.com. Another thing that I really encourage is trying to get the kids in the kitchen to help. Mm-hmm. You know, they can take little jobs, whatever it may be, um, and to, if they're old enough, you know, give them give them an age appropriate job. They could chop onions or whatever, but it, that really does help to cut down on the time, and it's also a bonding experience. You know, with families to be in the kitchen cooking together. And the kids love it. Kids yeah. love doing that. So, and that's uh, a memory
1: that will stick with them forever.
0: Forever. And mm-hmm. my, my two girls, my, my son, he likes to cook, but not as much. My two girls, uh, it's hard for me to get them out of the kitchen.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's like, not great. I'm
0: like, y'all get out of here. I need my therapy time. You know,
1: <laughs> but, uh, this is my one-on-one day. That's right. Well, thank you, Jeff. Those are really great answers. And I'm sure our viewers really, really appreciate that. Um, so thanks for taking the time to answer our questions today and be part of the series. We're really grateful.
0: My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Hi, this is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie and co-host of Around the Table Food Show. I want to invite you to travel with me on a special pilgrimage to the Holy Land, February 5th to the 15th, 2014. Join me as we pray and break bread together in Israel and experience the Bible come alive. More than a standard pilgrimage experience, this trip also includes cooking demonstrations, shopping in open-air markets, tours of a brewery, and a Franciscan winery in Bethlehem. The trip will culminate with a farewell supper in Emmaus, where the disciples recognize Jesus and the breaking of the bread. You can find all the details at catholicfoodie.com oh you gotta taste this this is oh it's got this kind of mm, it's burning melty it's not really a smoky taste it, it, it's a certain oh it, it's kind of like a you know, it's got like this boom zap kind of taste don't you think what, what would you call that flavor lightning yeah it's lightning oh we gotta do that again Okay. When the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs. Saffron. A little saffron would make this. Saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in the, the, the kitchen? kitchen. <laughs> well, again, I want to thank Rosemary uh, for for uh, talking with me. Uh, it was a fantastic conversation. Had a lot of fun. And uh, please do go to uh, Loyola Press and check out what they've got going on uh, in the in the weeks here coming up to um, to Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, LoyolaPress.com. And I'd love to hear from you. I want to know what you think. Please do let me know about our conversation. Give me some feedback. Uh, you can always call in your feedback. Uh, you just pick the phone up or your computer, whatever you ha- you use to make phone calls. Uh, you can call 985-635-4974 and leave me a voice message. 985-635-4974. I'm able to take those messages and play them right here on the show. I would love to hear your voice as you talk to me, uh, whether it's a question you have about uh, a cooking technique or a recipe, uh, whatever it may be, or you want to make a comment about the conversation I had with Rosemary, whatever it may be, I'd love to hear it. 985-635-4974. And speaking of Thanksgiving, you know, we have a favorite turkey recipe. I Maybe mean, turkey is turkey, right? And, and I think for, for years and years people get kind you get kind of, I don't know, accustomed to just baking a turkey. And and I think you you know most people probably say a prayer when they put that turkey into the oven, they say a prayer and say, please, Lord, don't let it dry out. Because <laughs> turkeys get to, to, that's the tendency, right? They, they can dry out. And there's nothing worse than that dry white meat on a turkey. Oh, my goodness. Well, a few years back, probably four or five years ago, if not longer, uh, I came across a recipe for a pepper-stuffed Turkey. Now, this pepper stuffed turkey comes from my friend Marcel Bienvenu. Marcel uh, is the, the the king of, uh, not the king, the queen of Cajun cooking, right? Marcel is just uh, she's a gem. Marcel is a, a food writer. She's a chef. She's uh, she's been uh, writing about food for years and years and years. She's she's a, a wonderful person. And a very talented, very creative, and she makes some good food. I tell you that. And this recipe really comes from her. She used to write uh, cookbooks together with Emeril Lagasse. She co-authored several books with him. And this comes from Louisiana Real and Rustic, one of the the first Emeril cookbooks that I purchased, and one of the first ones that uh, well, it came into the marriage with us. And I didn't purchase it actually. My wife brought this into the marriage. I brought in one of Marcel's. Cookbooks. Uh, Who's Your Mama, Are You Catholic, and Can You Make a roux? That's the one I brought into marriage. My wife brought in Emeril Lagasse's Louisiana Real or Rustic. Either way you cut it, Marcel was the one doing the writing. <laughs> Isn't that cool? So anyway, we tried this recipe for the first time, I think, back in 2008, and it has become our go-to recipe for turkey. I've never seen a turkey come out of the oven juicier than the turkeys that we've roasted according to this recipe. Now, I have tweaked the recipe a bit here and there, you know, according to our tastes, and I've experimented over the last five years now, since 2008, with different sized turkeys. Matter of fact, uh, one year I I roasted a 20-pound turkey, and for that particular bird, I just doubled the recipe. Now, this recipe is Online, it's over at catholicfoodie.com. If you go to catholicfoodie.com for the for the uh, the show notes here for this episode, I will have a link there in the show notes that'll take you right to the recipe. Now, one thing I have to say is this is a pepper stuffed turkey. If you're not from South Louisiana, the thought of a pepper stuffed turkey might Be a little intimidating. But don't let the heat scare you. Yes, it's stuffed with peppers. And yes, some of the peppers that we use are sport peppers or Tabasco peppers, but they're pickled, first of all. Doesn't mean they're not hot. They're still hot. However, they're not really as hot as you might imagine when they are cooked in the turkey. Uh, I would definitely encourage you, however, to wear gloves while handling. Uh, the peppers when you're stuffing the turkey because the oils from the peppers can soak into your skin and it just stays there and and hurts. <laughs> but why don't you try out this pepper stuffed turkey for this Thanksgiving and let me know what you think. You know, it might just become your new go-to turkey recipe too. All right, so what do you need? About a 12-pound turkey it could be a little bit more a little bit less but about 12 pounds two sticks of butter cut into quarter inch slices and then you take those slices and cut those in half all right so you can do that all just in one if if the, the butter is really cold and you take a sharp knife you can just cut 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 horizontally and then in one direction and then, Slice it in half the other, if that makes sense. Lengthwise, you slice it in half. So essentially, you want these little small pieces of butter because we're going to put, we're going to season the butter and we're going to put it into the freezer and get it really, really cold so that you can actually, with your hands, Take that butter and put it into little slits that you're going to cut into the turkey. It's really pretty amazing when you think about it. But you're going to stuff this butter up into that turkey and, and, and not just into the cavity. I'm talking about slits into different parts of the meat itself. And so this this butter just cooks right into the turkey. It's really amazing, absolutely amazing. You're going to need uh, eight teaspoons of salt, four teaspoons of cayenne, a large sweet, 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 a large, sweet, yellow onion, chopped. A large green bell pepper, chopped. Four cloves of garlic, crushed. Eight to ten sport peppers or Tabasco peppers. Those are available in every grocery around here. Tabasco is is a local company. Uh, and these Tabasco peppers are just real, real hot, small, teeny tiny peppers, but they're. They pack a punch big time and they're pickled. Uh, you can get those if you don't have them uh, in your grocery. You can order them on Amazon. They do have them available there. As a matter of fact, I have a link. In the show notes over at CatholicFruity.com, that'll take you right to that on Amazon.com. We have five to six ounces of banana peppers. You'll need those too. You want to chop those. Three tablespoons of the pickled juice from the sport pepper jar or the Tabasco pepper jar. Or, if you want a little less heat, you can use the juice from the banana pepper jar. Here's what you want to do. You want to preheat your oven to 400 degrees you want to take the butter slices that we, we t- just talked about, how to cut those, take those butter slices and put them in a, in, a, in a glass mixing bowl, add two teaspoons of the salt, one teaspoon of the cayenne. And I mentioned this already, I'll say it again, it's better to work with very cold Butter. You don't want it melting and kind of going all over the place. You want you want individual little individual slices of butter. So what you want you want to slot you want to season all the butter slices without them melting together. So I usually put the butter in the freezer for about 20 minutes before slicing and seasoning. And then after it's seasoned, it go- seasoned. It goes straight back into the freezer for at least half an hour. Uh, and then in a, in a small glass bowl, I combine four teaspoons of salt, two teaspoons of cayenne, and I mix that up really well. Then in a, a large bowl, I combine the onion, the bell pepper, the garlic, the sport peppers, or Tabasco peppers, and the banana peppers. I add two teaspoons of salt and one teaspoon of cayenne to the veggies, along with the pickle juice that we talked about, and, and, and mix that up really well. Again, wearing gloves because it, it can soak into your skin and really hurt. What you want to do with the turkey, you want to remove any innards that came with the turkey. When you buy a turkey, sometimes you've got the gizzards in there, you've got the neck in there, you've got all that. You can take that out. Uh, you want to rinse the turkey in cold water, and you want to pat it dry with paper towels. It's very important to pat dry the turkey. Uh, working with the turkey can be tricky, and you, you need to prepare the work surface that, you'll, that you're going to be using, right, to prevent the turkey from sliding all around. You might want to use a large pan, and if you know, in, in years past I have used a large pan to hold the turkey in place. Um, but what I've learned to do and what I prefer now is to place the turkey on a large kitchen towel laying directly on the kitchen counter. And, you know, of course, my method necessitates a thorough cleaning of the counter afterwards, but I don't mind that. The the turkeys are slippery, and once my hands are into the butter and the peppers and cayenne, I don't want to have to chase the turkey around the kitchen. I want it to stay put, you know, and uh, I'm sure you will too. So what you want to do is you want to lay the turkey breast side up with the cavity facing you, and you want to carefully lift the skin flap and make two to three slits on either side of the breastbone on the inside of the cavity be careful not to slice all the way through the turkey and pierce the skin you want that skin to stay intact because it kind of in a way creates a very thin oven within an oven so to speak uh, when it's cooking so you don't want to pierce the skin but what I have uh, the, the the original wording for this step in the, in, the, in the book Louisiana Real and Rustic was a bit confusing to me but that was only because you know I'd never done it before but after making this turkey a few times when I've come uh, what I've, what I've, I've come to the conclusion that uh, you just have to do what you just have to do. It works, right? Make the slits the best way you can. Just do it. Works. The whole point is that you'll be stuffing the slits with the seasoned butter and the pepper mixture. So you just got to do it. Works. And so what you want to do is you want to insert two or three slices once you make the slits. Okay, Inter- insert two or three slices of the frozen butter, seasoned butter into each slit. And then you want to spoon about, and I, I say spoon it, but really you have to use your hands to, 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 to do this effectively. Spoon about a quarter teaspoon of the salt, the cayenne mixture, into the slits. Then you want to insert a teaspoon or more of the veggie mixture into the slits. And you have to push all that in with your fingers. So essentially what you're doing is you're making these little slits in the breast, on each side of the breastbone, and you're stuffing those slits with the butter, seasoned butter, along with a little extra salt and cayenne mixture, and on top of that, the peppers. Alright, so you're going to stuff it in there. And boy, I'm telling you what, this yields the most juicy turkey I've ever had in my life. This is why we don't try any other turkeys. Because we've cooked, you know, we've had turkey for Thanksgiving all our lives, my wife and I. We grew up in the States, that's what we do. Um, and, and even before, you know, after we were married, we we would bake a turkey. Never have we had turkey like this. It's just, it, it's knock your socks off good. It's awesome. So that that's the goal, right? You want to stuff the slits with with your finger. Now, you're going to do the same thing basically for the drumsticks. You're going to pull each leg back uh, gently, you want to pull it out enough to expose the inner thigh and you carefully want to pull the skin back and make those slits along the bone. You want to f- follow the bone line of each leg. And then, and then you do the same Method of stuffing the slits with the butter and the salt, the cayenne, the veggie mixture, and you can do some. You can also add some of the salt and the cayenne to the inner thighs where the skin is pulled back. It's just a good place, you know, also to put extra veggies if you uh, if you have any left over. You can stuff them in the in the right there about the thighs because that bird is going to be sitting in a um, in a pan, you know, to cook, and those thighs are going to be pressed together. It's just a good place to to keep all that good juice and, and seasoning. It's really. It turns out very well, believe me. Now, for the wings, you do the same thing. You turn the turkey around so that the neck is facing you. You follow the same sort of process with the drumsticks. You want to make the slit on the wings, following the bone line from the shoulder to the elbow. I guess you call it an elbow on the wing. I don't know. Uh, and then you repeat the the process of, of stuffing uh, that we've already done. You do the same thing for both wings. Now, on the outside of the bird, what I normally do, I just season that with any remaining salt and cayenne. Uh, all leftover seasoned butter and veggies can be placed inside the cavity of the turkey and also, as I mentioned, between the thigh and the leg. And What you do is you want to secure the wings and the legs as you would any other turkey, folding the, the, the wings back behind the neck and then secure the legs with uh, kitchen twine. And then place the turkey in a deep roasting pan uh, because, believe me, I, I didn't think about this the first time. Matter of fact, I have ruined shoes cooking on Thanksgiving because I did not anticipate one of the first years I did this, how much juice really comes out of this bird, with the with the with the butter and everything else, and and I have coated and ruined a pair of shoes because I spilt the 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 turkey juice all over those shoes. Terrible. Anyway, uh, it's got to be a deep roasting pan, okay? And you want to slide it into the oven and roast the turkey at 400 degrees. For 15 to 20 minutes to get the browning process started, then you want to lower the temp to 350, cover the turkey with a lid or with foil, and bake for three to three and a half hours. I'm always cautious when it comes to this because I do not want an overcooked turkey. I don't want a dried out turkey. So at three hours to three hours and 15 minutes, I go and peek. I want to see how it's going. I don't want to wait too long. But typically it's going to be between three and three and a half hours. Once it's done, remove it from the oven, let it sit for about 10 minutes before carving it, and then enjoy. It is absolutely knock your socks off phenomenal. I love this turkey. Matter of fact, we try to do a bigger turkey every year because we like to save some, and I make my uh, annual turkey and andouille gumbo on the day after Thanksgiving. I'll have to share that recipe with you in the next week or so as we get closer to Thanksgiving. And uh, until next time, well, first of all, I want to remind you, I want to hear from you. Questions, comments, thoughts, let me know. Give me a call at 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. And until next time, bon appetit.